Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 9 through 13 this morning. John chapter 1, verses 9 uh, through 13. And as you're opening up there, uh, let me just say a word about uh, the next couple of weeks here at First Baptist Church. Of course, we have uh, tonight our Christmas musical. Next Sunday, we have church and uh, the the parlor area will have Christmas decorations in it next Sunday. And so we'd love for you to take your family there into the parlor and you can take Christmas pictures there next Sunday. Uh, you're welcome to use that space for that uh, next week. And then, of course, on Christmas Eve at five o'clock, we have our candlelight Christmas Eve service. We'd love for all of you to be here. It's one of our favorite services of the year here. And then the Sunday after uh, Christmas, so that's Christmas weekend, Christmas on Saturday. Uh, the Sunday after Christmas each year, we have what we call Prayer Emphasis Sunday. It's the way that we close out a year in prayer and start a new year in prayer. And we, we, so we do not have church on that Sunday uh, here in the sanctuary. We worship downstairs in Fellowship Hall. You can see all the details there in the chimes. You'll, you'll be able to see that uh, so you know exactly where to go and when to be there. But we have a little breakfast together and we pray together, hear a message on prayer, and have a little more of a casual Sunday on that day uh, as we kick off the new year and spend some time together in prayer. So I want to let you know that there won't be Sunday school on that Sunday, so we'll only have that, and we look forward to worshiping together uh, that, that morning. John chapter 1, verses 9 through 13. If you have your Bibles open there, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us, beginning in verse 9. The true light, the true light which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for sending him into this world. And God, it's our hope and our prayer that you will move among us as we hear your word today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I'm confident you know this feeling. It, it feels like it's harder and harder to figure out what is real and to figure out what is true in this world. All the way from, it feels like it was a decade ago when we were having the conversation, and I guess it continues even now, but even when we think about things like fake news and and we're learning more and more about the way even other countries, um, bad actors in other countries, influence what you see on your computer, bots and things like that that give fake news stories and things like that, all the way to new technology that's been developed, things like deep fakes where you can hardly tell the difference between something that's been created with a computer and an actual video. It feels just harder and harder to figure out what's real, and what's true in this world. And then here it is, Christmas time. 
And every year around Christmas, you see news articles and different things pop up where folks are working hard to cut down on the counterfeit goods market. That is, your child wants a pair of Nikes for Christmas, and on accident, somebody's duped you into buying a pair of Psyches or something like that, and um, you've missed it. When we were in seminary, um, I, I had just used a sermon illustration about counterfeit goods. And Whitney wanted a pair of shoes, and she'd kind of been eyeing them, and they're they more expensive than our seminary budget would allow. And so one day I was kind of, I guess I'd been Googling, trying to find good deals on these shoes ahead of time, and I found a website, the, the outlet. It had the logo on it, everything. It was great. It was fantastic. And I'd just, just done a thing about counterfeit goods. But in this... Uh, in this just absolute frenzy of deal hunting, I got sucked in. And I got these shoes for like 60% off. I was so proud of myself and I sent in the order and made the payment. And then I started thinking about it. And I was like, Alexander, you are an idiot. <laughs> and then I start Googling things. And I kind of look at different things and I realize this is a, this is a counterfeit website I finally uh, find the email address and, and start trying to send them an email, and they start talking back to me on Google and broken English and things like that, and I realize I've made a huge mistake. But I feel better about it the other day because I realize even probably the shrewdest person I know, Woody Turner, <laughs> uh, got sucked into buying a pair of fake sunglasses the other day. The first thing that happened was I got so much joy thinking about Woody shopping online for sunglasses. <laughs> and then when he realized, man, I knew, I knew better. But it's just funny how sometimes even you know, you know, you think, okay, I can see how Matt could get sucked into this, but Woody? Have they got one over on Woody? And sure enough, it's easy to do. And, and the reality is there are so many deals and situations and whatever, things that confirm our biases, things that we want to hear. Things that we wish were true, they seem so good or they seem so true that we want to believe that they're true. But today, as we live in a world where it's hard to know what's true, it's hard to know what's right, it's even hard to know what's real anymore, I want you to be so careful in your spiritual life. Because if you think there are threats to what's real and what's true out in the world, you can't believe how many parades and charades there are trying to get you to focus on anything but the true light. This, this, this Christmas, I hope and pray, it will be your goal, it will be your reality, that you will look only at the true light, only at our Lord Jesus Christ. That every spiritual truth, that as the Bible says, you will test every spirit and you will test it according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. This morning, I want to show you three truths that will help you discern and embrace Jesus alone. I, I want you to be able to see the true light and the true light alone. I, I want to help you see and believe in the true light this morning from this beautiful text of Scripture. Three points today. Here's the first. The true light cannot be counterfeited. The, the, the true light cannot be counterfeit. Notice what John says here, the true light, which gives, if you're wondering where I got the title of the sermon, there it is. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. 
He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And then, in fact, verse 11 says this, He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. My friends, we live in a world not just of counterfeit shoes and counterfeit sunglasses, but we live in a world of counterfeit light. There are things that claim to be the light which are not the light. Now, as evangelicals, I think we've developed a bit of an obsession, an unhealthy obsession with what folks call the, the end times. Whether or not Jesus is coming today. And we'll have a war, a rumor of war, or this or that will happen, and people start to panic. And it's actually the opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said, when these things happen, what? Do not be afraid. We do the opposite of what Jesus said to do. That's why, that's why we need a Savior, right? That's why we need grace. We've, un, I think, developed maybe just a hair of a, an unhealthy obsession with these things. And, in fact, there's a little bit of a cottage industry that's cropped up around it, trying to kind of play off those fears. And so almost every one of you, understandably, now m- most of us, though, are not there. We just have a healthy reading of the Bible. We've read the book of Revelation, and we've heard this word, Antichrist, the, the one who's against Christ, the opposite of Christ. And, of course, we think about a historical character, a historical event that I think will happen where eventually there's someone who comes claiming to be a new Christ, and it's at the end of the age, if that's the case. But I think so often we're so obsessed with what's happening later that we forget that John, same John who wrote this gospel, and the same John who wrote Revelation, wrote some letters, and in it he uses the same word. He uses the word Antichrist in his letters, and in those letters he talks about the spirit of the Antichrist that's work at work even now. False lights. Antichrist, a spirit that's at work in the age to take your eyes off the true Christ and to get you to focus on anything but Him. There are false narratives in the world we live in. False lights competing with the narratives of the Bible. False light about where we came from. We believe God made us, but there's all sorts of theories out there on where we may have come from. All sorts of theories out there about what's wrong with the world. We believe it's the fall. We believe it's sin, right? But there are all sorts of things. Every five or ten years, something else becomes popular that's trying to explain what's wrong in the world. Right now, economics and race are two huge things that that people are using to try to attempt to make sense of everything that's wrong in the world. We believe any problem, any challenge, anything that's wrong in the world is downstream from a bigger problem called sin. There's no one thing that can make sense of all that's wrong except Sin. There are false narratives. There are false redemptions. False light comes in the sense of false redemption. Promises on how to make things right. Promises on what will fix things. And of course, every two to four years, you hear another set of false redemptions trotted along, don't you? Now, if you just vote for me, everything will be okay afterward. If you vote for them, everything will be worse afterward. Every four years, we hear the same things. We have false hope about the future. People saying this will happen or that will happen. If we don't do this, this will happen or that will happen. We have false light all around us. False narratives, false redemptions, false hope, false futures. And yet we as Christians recognize that there's only one place to get true light. There's only one place to understand where we came from. That we were created by God and loved by Him. Only one place to understand what what went wrong. Genesis chapter 3, the fall happened and sin entered into the world. We know that there's only one redemption through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know we only have one hope that one day He will return and make all things right. All we have is the true light. 
we have to focus our eyes on Him. Notice what the Bible says here. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is interesting because we've already been told that the light was the life of men. The life was the light of men. That who Jesus is is imprinted into the world. And there's a sense in which, if you stop and think about it, every counterfeit light or every false light certainly contains some degree of truth, even about Jesus. Because God didn't leave himself here without a witness. He gave his consciences. And people almost get it right a lot. But here we see and recognize any good thing in this world is a reflection of the true light. Who Jesus is. He gives light to everyone. There's a sense in which this is a reiteration of what John meant when he said the life was the light of men. But there's another sense in which John is showing how particular revelation... Distinct revelation in Jesus is the only light in this world. Here's a summary, a paraphrase of what John's saying. Jesus made the world. He created the world. The light of the world is Jesus. And yet through the fall, that light had been dimmed. People are missing the light. People are looking at counterfeit lights. People are trying to magnify the light that's already been given. People are focused on all the wrong things. They're looking in all the wrong places. And so because of God's grace, the true light that's already in the world, that's already reflecting in the world, came into the world in a unique way. He's revealing something deeper and truer about God and about Himself. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. What a shame that Him for whom we so deeply long, the light which men for centuries and women for centuries have Long to see and know. When he came into the world, finally the world did not know him. Surely then you would think at least God's people would all recognize him. But no, that wasn't the case either. Verse 11 says his people did not receive him. And the reason for that, I believe, is that all these people were looking to counterfeit lights. They're too focused on themselves. They're too focused on trusting themselves or too focused on their traditions or too focused on their sin to see Jesus for who He was. But this Christmas, we have to remember, we must be the ones who look to the true light because He cannot be counterfeit. We can't get the fake stuff. We have to get the real stuff. Remember this, the true life cannot be counterfeit. But second of all, second point is this, the true light is received by faith. The true light is received by faith. In a lot of ways, this is a troubling passage, isn't it? The true light. The true light. And you know by experience that Jesus is the true light, if you know Him. The Bible says, The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. What a blessed reunion it ought to have been when the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, and yet the world did not know Him. It's troubling. It gets even worse. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. What gives? It, doesn't it seem like, logically, that the one who is the true light ought to have been received? What's the deal? My friends, the true light is only received by faith. Verse 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
The light is revealed and the light is received by faith. Only those who believe in Him, only those who trust Him, only those who put their faith in Him can see Him for who He is. Is it not strange? Is it not strange that the Lord Jesus came and the Pharisees, the people who thought they knew God the best, didn't know Him? We're troubled by that. And His own people, it seems, didn't receive Him. But I want to encourage you this, this Christmas to go and to read the gospel stories about Jesus' birth. Go read Luke and see the way that people who were trusting God, people who were not preoccupied with their own righteousness, but who were preoccupied with God's righteousness and trusting the Lord for the coming of a Messiah, when they met Jesus, when they saw Jesus, when they heard about the birth of Jesus, what did they do? They rejoiced. I think about Anna, the, the prophetess, who's there in the temple and who rejoices in the coming of the Lord. I think about the other prophet who sings praises to God. I think about Mary. I, I think about John the Baptist who rejoices in his mother's womb. I think about all those faithful people who believed, who trusted. I think about even those magi, those wise men, presumably pagans out in the distance. You've got Herod here at home, a Jewish man who had the Word of God and who should have seen what Jesus was. He should have known who Jesus was and instead just simply saw Him as a threat, not as hope. And then you have these pagan men from miles and miles and miles and miles and miles away, worlds away it might even feel like, who see in the stars the sign of God's work. And what do they do? They believe and they come and they see Jesus and they worship Him. You see, your religious background, your pedigree, none of these things indicate whether or not you'll be someone who receives the true light. Only faith is the answer. Only in trusting Him. You can see this razor of faith running throughout the New Testament, running throughout the Gospels, that there are some who see Him and reject Him, and there are some who see Him and embrace Him, and the difference between all of them is whether or not they are people of faith. Whether or not they put their faith in Jesus. I ask you this simply today. Do you see? Do you trust? Do you believe? All who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. That's our last point this morning. It's this. The true light transforms lives. The, the true light transforms lives. One thing I know about holidays is they seem to highlight things. Holidays tend to highlight things. Many of you will sit down at the end of the day on Christmas, and what will you do? You'll, you'll have highlighted for you what a blessing your life is, right? You'll think about the children or the grandchildren or the new spouse or this person or that person or the things that you received or the good year of business you had. And at Christmas, this holiday, you'll have highlighted for you all the blessings of God. But others of you are dreading this season for the precisely the same reason because it highlights things. You're thinking about that family get-together that's going to highlight the challenges you've had this year. Uh, you're, you're thinking about 
the end of the day on Christmas and the love that was once there that's seemingly no longer there. You're thinking about that person who you've lost, that family member who you'll miss, the fact that you weren't able to do all that you wanted to do for others at Christmas time. It tends to highlight things. And some of you during this season are thinking about your own life. You're, you're taking stock of what life looks like. It's, you're, you're feeling sort of like that Johnny Cash song, Sunday morning coming down, where he's reflecting on a Sunday morning. He smells fried chicken, and he's walking down the street, and he thinks about what his life ought to look like, and instead he's living a life as a drunkard. Some of you might be having that same experience this Christmas. You might be thinking, it's, it's time for a change. I need some good news. I mean, I've worked hard, and I've tried hard, and I've done this, and I've done that, and I've, I've gone to every single thing I can do, and, and I'm at the end of my rope, and I don't know how to change. I want you to see today what faith in Jesus does. I, I want you to see today what the true light does. He transforms your life. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Now listen, think about how beautiful this is. Maybe you've run a long way from the Lord. He's not saying, come on back from the pigsties and I'll let you be a servant. He's not saying, come come on back from those years of wild living. Come, Come on back from the wasteland you've created from yourself and let me see how bad it is and then we'll talk about how you can repay me. He's not saying, you know, guess what, let me, let me take a look and see. You know, you're from a good family, and Mama and Papa all seem to do a pretty good job in the church, so maybe we'll see how you are. No, no, no. No, no. The Bible says this, if you believe, you see what it says? If you receive Him, if you believe in His name, He gives you the right to become a child of God. He welcomes you with open arms into His family. He gives you by faith the perfect standing that His very own Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, has before Him because by faith you can be united to the One who is the true light of the world. You may have chased after like a bug to a bug zapper every fake light this world has to offer. Everything you could find that you thought might satisfy, you might have run over it, after it. But the Bible says if you believe in Him, you will be saved. It says you have the right to become a child of God by faith. And those who become children of God are born not of blood. It doesn't matter what your family is. It it does not matter what sort of blood is coursing through your veins. I don't know of anyone here in our church who's from a Jewish heritage, right? We don't have the blood. Maybe somebody is. I say this a lot. Nobody's corrected me yet. So maybe they're afraid to, you know? I'll do. Uh, I should be treated special? Of course not. No. No. Think about this. Think about this. Every one of us here has nothing in our blood that would commend us before God. We're not children of Abraham. In fact, if you, any, of us, any of us here, more than likely, you trace us all the way back, you get back far enough, you're going to find some pagans in the bunch. 
Some of y'all might have some pagans at the table today. I don't know. No, we're not from, we're not from special blood. We're descended from people who rebelled against God, who didn't follow God, who didn't serve God. It doesn't matter who your family is. It doesn't matter what your pedigree is. That's not what commends you before God. You don't become a child of God because of your blood, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh. It doesn't matter how good or capable you are. Some of you right here are saying, I would love to quit this sin or that sin, but I just can't. And until I can quit it, I don't think I can be saved. You think you have to quit sin to be saved? Goodness gracious, guys, we'll go broke. Close the church. Kick everybody out. If you've got to quit all sin to be saved, you can't quit sin to be saved. You can only quit sin by being saved. Only God can deliver you from these sins. You're not born again out of a will of the flesh. It's not like you look at God and say, I think I'm going to make Him like me. He loves you and there's nothing you can do about it. Nothing you can do to earn it. Nothing you can do to stop it. It's not by the will of your flesh. It's not from the will of man. Who cares what people think? Some of you right now might say, I was judged by a Christian one time, and I don't want anything to do with it. I was judged by a church, or I grew up in a church that was very judgmental and very legalistic, and I don't want to have anything to do with that. Now listen, I can't promise you that we'll never judge you. Maybe somebody will. I don't know. And I can't promise you that we'll never be legalistic. I'm sure we'll be legalistic about something. Not because we want to be or not because the Bible says we should be, but we're sinners too. Here's what I will say. That doesn't matter to God. You think when you come down front and you say, I want to be saved, I want to put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus, you think I then call up to heaven and say, Lord, how's he doing? Lord, how's she doing? Is this somebody I can accept or not? Oh, my friends, I open my arms up wide, not because I'm such a good guy and I'm so open-minded and I'm so loving, but because Jesus did the same thing for me. And because I believe when by faith you look unto the Lord Jesus Christ, and I think when you go to Him, He has arms open wide, and the same is true of this church. It doesn't matter what man thinks. It doesn't matter what anyone said of you. It doesn't matter what your past is like. It's not up to a committee of us. It's not up to us to act like Pharisees and decide who's in and who's out. It's only by grace through faith that you're welcomed into the family of God. There's never a fence we could build here to keep you out because there's not a fence God's built to keep you out. We welcome you. No, we are not born of blood. We're not born of the will of the flesh. We're certainly not born of the will of man. But those who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God, and they are born of God. It's God who does it. It's God who welcomes you. It's God who can change your life. It's God who by faith will change your life. Whose grace may be working in your heart right now. My friends, you are more condemned by your sin than you could ever imagine. But at the very same time, you are more beloved of God than you could ever dream. Leave the counterfeit light. Leave the fake stuff. Leave trying, working, and trying to earn God's favor. And step by faith into the arms of the one who is the true light. The real light. The authentic light. 
Don't you want a taste of what's real? Don't you want to know just one thing in this world that's true? Don't you want to meet Jesus by faith today? I hope and pray that each and every one of us here would turn to Him. Some maybe for the first time, but all of us even as believers would turn again to Him in faith, trusting Jesus more and more. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, I'd love to talk to you today about how to do that. I Simply put, I think if you turn from your sin in repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus, if you believe in Him, I think you will be saved. If you just want someone to talk to and pray with you about that, I'll be right down front or you can catch me after the service. The second, This isn't a special place or a holy place. God will meet you anywhere. 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 It doesn't have to be the altar at First Baptist Church. It might be a ditch somewhere where God meets you, but He'll meet you if you'll meet Him in faith. Second of all, you may be a believer and you may just need a place to pray. You may want to do that publicly. You may want to do that right where you are, but this altar is open and I'm available. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. What a joy it would be for me to talk to you today here in this Christmas season about what it means to be a member of First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together.